Ambla stared at Emmet for a moment, then turned and made his way to the other side of the room. He pulled his guitar around in front of him and holding it close to his ear, tuned it. He pulled a cylindrical metal tube from his pocket and placed it on the little finger of his right hand. Then without a word, he slid the piece of metal up the neck of the guitar as hard as he could. The sound of the metal against the steel guitar strings pierced through the noise of the crowd and he started playing. He heard a woman shout, Play that thing, boy. They call me Rambler, he sang loudly, because I'm rambling all the time. The guitar sang the last few notes back at him. They call me Rambler, he repeated, because I'm rambling all the time. The guitar sang back at him again. I'd like to stay with you, baby, but I got to move on down the line. His eyes were closed, but he was singing directly to the woman who had shouted at him. I got to rumble, cause Satan's on my track. His voice was rough and harsh from the countless Saturday nights he had to make himself head over the noise of crowds like this one. He screamed to growl rather than sing, but he'd never known anyone to complain. I got to rumble cause the devil's on my track. As the guitar answered him, he knew that people could almost see Satan walking down the road. I got to keep going, Lord. I can't look back. Sing your song, guitar man, a voice shouted. Preach it, came another. A large woman in a cotton print dress got up and started to dance. And Rambler knew that if Emma tried to kick him out now, there would be a fight. He cut his eyes toward Joe Jr., who was still sitting in the front of the room, smiling dumbly, his guitar lying across his lap. I told my mama, he heard himself sing for the second time, Mama, I'm leaving home. The devil will get me if I stay one place too long. The sun had begun painting the great clapboard front of the cafe orange by the time Rambler slung his guitar around to his back. The few people who were left begged him to play more, but he slid the metal tubing from his little finger, dropped it into his pocket, and walked over to the corner where Emmet sat. You're pretty good, black boy, Emmet said without smiling. You ain't never had better, Rambler said flatly. Emmet nodded. Might be. You got to be so good to play at Captain Brian's plantation without his say-so. Any other man done what you did without permission would have been carried out of here. Rambler was tired and didn't feel like playing Emmett's little games. Since Captain Brian didn't have him thrown out, it must be that he was hired for the night, he thought. Captain Brian pays his guitar pickers in whiskey. Well, I ain't one of his. I take mine in money. Emmet was silent. He stared at Rambler and Rambler stared back. Neither smiled. Rambler knew that if he showed the slightest fear, he wouldn't get paid. But he wasn't afraid. There was a nigger like Emmet on every plantation. Big, mean, 
who did the captain's dirty work, no matter what it was. Niggas thought Ahmed was tough, but Rambla knew better. Ahmed was afraid of white people. Rambla wasn't. Finally, Ahmed asked, How much? Five. You must be crazy, nigga, Ahmed shouted. The most Captain Brian ever paid was a dollar. You must be out of your mind. Captain Brian never had a guitar picker like me on his place. There was another long pause. Rambler knew he wouldn't get five dollars. But if he had said three, he would have ended up getting one. I'll give you three. Even at that, Captain Brian is going to curse me out. Rambler paused. I'll take three. Emmett reached in his pocket and from a roll of bills pulled off three ones. Here, nigga. How long you gonna be around? Rambler picked up the money from the table and put it in his pocket. Leaving now. Folks like you're picking. I could talk to Kevin Bryant. If I say so, he would let you stay and pay you $3 a night every Friday and Saturday. I got to be moving. Rambler walked outside into the early morning sun. Already it was warm. He looked at the sky. It was clear and piercingly blue. It was going to be another hot day. A young girl stepped out from the side of the building and smiled at him. You're not leaving already, Rambler. He looked at her. I was thinking about it. Don't leave yet. Folks around here would like to get acquainted better with you. She walked up to him and took him by the arm and allowed himself to be taken by her. He was tired, needed to sleep. So he went with her and he had gone with someone the previous Saturday, the Sunday before that and practically every Saturday in the past six years. There were some women who came to a guitar player as sure as a hunting dog when you whistled. The sun was going down when he woke up. He lay on the dirty mattress in a corner of one room shack and listened to the children playing outside. He assumed that they were the girls. Lucille, he believed she'd said her name was. She didn't have a husband, but neither did some of the other women on the plantation. He wondered if he had any children playing in the yard of some plantation as the sun was setting. Probably. The thought that there might be a young rambler somewhere didn't make him happy. He knew it wasn't right, the way he came and went. Yet, what else was there? He either stayed on Captain Brian's plantation, or Captain John, or Captain Williams, or Captain whoever's, or he rambled. And that was no choice, not for him. He had known that on those evenings he had played hide-and-go-seek as the children outside were doing now. He had seen Captain Ross come to the cabin at night and he knew what his mother did with him. And for a while, when he'd been younger, he'd hated his mother for letting that white man come to her bed. After Rambler left, he used to beat every woman he was with. He tried to love them, but he only got mad and before he knew, 
anything he'd knocked the girl down whoever she was he didn't do that now he understood that his mother couldn't help herself and that he hated her because he was afraid to hate the white man not anymore he wasn't all he had to do was think of Captain Ross rough hands pushing him out of his bed the bed he shared with his mother and making him go outside that was why he couldn't stay in one place settle down and the white folks would start choking the life out of him occasionally he met a girl whom he would allow himself to dream about he liked the pictures he drew in his mind of them working hard together raising children buying some land and building something he liked that as well as the next man but he didn't allow himself to really believe in the picture didn't matter whether his real name was Captain Brian or Captain Ross he was Satan never let a man have a minute's peace sometimes he thought white folks were put on earth just to make a nigger's life hard not his though as long as he could pick a note on the guitar white folks couldn't touch him that was why they hated nigger music so much it was free and because it came from him it meant he was free too he turned over and looked at lucille who was sitting at the table in the middle of the room lighting the coal oil lamp she was a pretty little girl he thought she was black like him she wasn't the creation of some white man maybe one of these days he'd come back and get her take her up north somewhere where they would have some kind of chance it was only a dream though he was married to the blues and had been since that night Charlie Bunay came to see him and his mother and sat on the porch and played the blues he couldn't have been more than 6 but since that moment his soul had belonged to the blues he began to hear music everywhere he went it was in the air and all you had to do was listen he could be in the field or walking down a road or playing in the yard and he'd hear the blues he made his first guitar from a cigar box and copper wire when he was 7 it was almost impossible to play on it but it was better than nothing a few months later though his mother had bought him a guitar and from then on his mind was on music he stopped playing with the other boys to spend all of his time with the blues on the plantation he must have worried them almost to death with his show me how you played that last song but they would and he'd go home and practice until it was time to go to bed and then after his mother was asleep he'd go outside and sometimes play until the sun came up at first his fingers weren't strong enough to push hard on the thin wire strings you had to press the strings hard against the guitar neck mash them flat so that when you picked a string it gave a loud clear sound the strings cut his fingertips often making them bleed eventually though his fingertips became hardened and playing became easier many a morning he went to the fields without having slept but he couldn't help himself once the blues got you you had to give in to them he would never forget the night when he really became a blues singer he had gone to bed with his mother as usual but when 
she was asleep he slept outside he walked away from the house so his playing wouldn't wake her he had been playing different runs he knew on the instrument not playing any song in particular when he heard himself begin to sing oh look at the moon shining down on me he heard the guitar repeat the last notes of the line oh look at the moon shining down on me he sang again the guitar repeated the last notes again sitting here in this cotton field down in mississippi he wondered where the words had come from he hadn't thought of them his mouth had simply opened and out had come the blues i'm sitting down here the words came singing this old lonesome blues the guitar said it in its way i'm sitting down here he sang again but this time the guitar completed the line by itself i ain't got nothing not even a pair of shoes then he'd let the guitar talk for a while it was as if his fingers had a life all their own moving over the strings without telling him what strings to pick then he heard himself singing i wonder sometimes if the moon ever gets the blues yes i wonder sometimes if the moon ever gets the blues i wonder sometimes if white folk ever lose after that the blues had never left him any peace the words and the music were always there ready to come out of him whenever he opened his mouth he was only 10 years old then but he started playing for dances on the weekends cotton sam would take him he was the best blues picker around and he was the closest thing to a father rambler ever had by the time he was 14 he was almost as good as cotton sam the two of them played together every weekend and rambler saw everything there was to see because at one time or another it happened at those saturday night parties many was the night he and sam had left the place through the window when those niggas got drunk and the bullets got to flying around nobody was safe on saturday night cotton sam wanted him to go to a party but for some reason he decided not to it was the first time he hadn't gone with him but that saturday he hadn't particularly felt like playing the next morning cotton sam was found dead on the railroad tracks some drunk white boys had seen him walking down the tracks towards his house and for no reason had beaten him to death nobody thought too much about it it happened all the time on plantations white man gets bored has nothing to do so he went out got drunk and killed a nigger and since no white man was ever arrested for killing a nigger sam was buried as quietly as if he died of pneumonia he was given sam's guitar after the funeral he took it reluctantly knowing that in some way he didn't understand he now became the keeper of sam's soul a man's guitar was more a part of him than a woman could ever be and when he took the guitar in his hands he knew that he was holding the real sam as long as he lived and played that guitar cotton sam lived too 
The Saturday night after Sam was murdered, Ramla was supposed to play for the party. But with Cotton Sam's guitar on his back, he hopped the freight. With Sam dead, there was no reason to stay. And he had been going ever since. It was Sam who had given him the name Rambler because he used to ask Sam to sing about rambling all the time. He got out of bed and put on his clothes. I got some chicken on the stove for you, Lucille had said. He smiled. Thank you. She took several pieces of children from the skillet, put them on a plate, and set it on the table. Everybody wants to know where you're going to be playing tonight. They want to get some whiskey and come over here and have a little party. He shook his head. Nah, I don't think so. How come? She asked fearfully. He bit into a piece of chicken, but when he spoke, he said, You're a good cook, Lucille. Real good. She smiled shyly. It ain't hard when you got somebody to cook for. Them your kids are in the yard? Only one of them. His name is Paul. How old is he? He before in October. Ramla finished the chicken rapidly. It'd been several days since he'd eaten that much. You and the kids ate yet? Uh-huh. You want some more? He nodded, knowing that she and the child hadn't eaten. She took his plate and put the rest of the chicken on it. He looked at her, liking her more and more. You live here by yourself? I mean, just you and the kid? Uh-huh. My mama was living here, but she's laying over in the boneyard now. She died about a year ago, and I've been here by myself ever since. How come a girl pretty as you ain't got no man? She shrugged. Who wants any of these no-count niggas? They don't know more than I do, and all I know is cotton. I want somebody who knows something different than me. You never did answer my question. How come you ain't gonna play tonight? You don't feel like it? That ain't it. I got to be moving along. Ain't you happy right now? He nodded. I can tell you know how to make a man happy. But you know Captain Brian ain't gonna have no nigger on his plantation who won't work in the field. And this is one that won't. Couldn't you just work in the field for a little while? Until I got out of debt and then we could go somewhere that the white folks wouldn't bother us. Captain Brian don't let niggas get out of debt. He finished eating and got up slowly from the table. They stood looking at each other for a moment and he felt himself wanting to hug her tightly and say that everything would be alright, that he would always be there. But he couldn't. Even if he did stay, he knew that one morning the sun would come up and its light would glance off the railroad tracks and strike him in the eyes like a flash of lightning. There wouldn't be a thing he could do except sling his guitar on his back and go. So if you knew you were going, might as well do it sooner than later. It was easier for everybody that way. He walked over to the corner by the front door where he'd put his guitar, picked it up, and slung it on his back. 
Thanks for everything. If I ever come this way again, Lucille, I'll be sure and look you up. He paused, waiting for her to say something. But when she only looked at him, he turned and walked out the door. The night was warm. A mosquito passed near his ear and flew away as he waved his hand at it. Far in the distance, he heard the sound of a train whistle. He stopped in the yard to get his bearings. Six years of rambling had taught him to be observant, and when he had come that morning, he had seen the railroad a few hundred yards back of the house and the path going through the cotton field towards it. He started towards the path when he heard footsteps behind him. There's a shortcut, she said, taking his hand in hers. I'll be back in a minute, Paul, she shouted into the darkness. The whistle sounded again, this time a little closer. Every night when the train passed through here, I say to myself, one of these days, Lucille, I've been hearing that train every night since I was born, and every time I hear it, you know, it reminds me of something, but I can't even remember what. You know what I mean? That's the way I feel too. I didn't know nobody else ever felt that way. I thought it was just me. I never had nothing like it. So mournful. It makes me sad. Like something happened to me and I can't remember what. But the whistle brings it all back. It was close enough now that they could hear the wheels rolling over the steel rails. Maybe it sounds sad, Rambler began. Cause it wants all of us to get on it and get away from here and it knows we never will. I guess you got to ride it for all of us, Rambler. Ain't you scared to hop on a train at night? Night or day, it's the same train, ain't it? They could see the beam of the engine slide as the train came out of the cab and headed towards them. You be good, Lucille. The train was on them now and it started to pass. Rambler ran alongside and when he saw an open box cut, he leaped, grabbing a rung of the car's ladder. He hung there for a moment, then his feet finding the bottom rung quickly climbed to the top. He lowered himself into the open car and put his head out. Looking down the track, he thought he saw a small figure waving. He knew he was imagining it. But he also knew that she was there, that he couldn't see her, didn't mean she wasn't. And then next Saturday night he wasn't surprised when he heard himself sing, I left Lucille, standing by the railroad track, I left Lucille, standing by the railroad track, she said, never mind the devil, baby, please come back. But he never did. The end. Thank you.